morning and welcome to Small Church Shepherds, a weekly podcast of smallchurchshepherds.com, a ministry that exists to encourage, equip, and enrich small church pastors. My name is Dennis Sullenberg, and I'm the pastor of Antioch Baptist Church in Brandon, Mississippi. And I'm James Clardy. I'm a teaching elder with Grace Falls Church in Fayetteville, Tennessee. And unfortunately, we do not have Jonathan with us today. Um, Jonathan had something that's keeping him um, out of being able to uh, podcast with us. But uh, James and I are going to troop her on without uh, John and, and sort of try to get this next topic, which I think is an important topic. And it's the topic of how do you deal with staff conflict in a small church? And, and I think it's important that we, we state it that way because there are some unique issues that come with staffing and and working with staff in a small church that that you don't have in a larger church, just as there are issues in a larger church that you don't have in a small church. James, what are some of those issues that you see um, with staffing in a small church that maybe are, are unique to a small church that a larger church doesn't have to deal with? I think, and, and they're connected, but I think one of the biggest issues you run into in pastoring a, a local smaller church is that you sometimes don't have staff. Right. <laughs> um, you're usually <laughs> the staff. Right. And that's, but and that, that leads you to the next part where most of your staff are volunteer or bivocational, you know, right. like that. Um, and so that that's one of the biggest, you know, issues. Not I, I know we're talking about conflict, but you run into um, in pastoring small churches. Either it's you uh, with several volunteers, and there's a different dynamic, which we're going to talk about that in a little while, family and all that. Um, and so I think one of the biggest issues I always ran into was either having no staff or, or the staff that you have you only have them maybe two hours a week because they're usually volunteers or they're bivocational uh, uh, like that. And so that that's one of the biggest, biggest, I say obstacles, but things you have to be creative and work around in a local uh, small church setting. Yeah, and, and not to be highly critical, and I'm not being, but but also a lot of times the staff that you do have is is not always really skilled in what they're being asked to do. because. Right. They're being asked to fill a role, and and that may not be a calling. It may be something that they feel like, you know, I need to help my church out. And so they may not be trained in music at a university. They may not be um, trained in, in Bible teaching at a seminary. And so often um, they are they are lay people or, or lay people who have been promoted to staff in a church with very little training, often in small churches, who are just trying to do the best that they can and are being as faithful as they can be in the church that they're in. And so that creates that, that that's not a negative against them. It just creates some problems that you don't always have in a church where you can hire professional staff. And so those are some issues that you, you deal with. Right. I mean, it, I hate to use that cliche. It is what it is, but, but it's true in this case, because this is where you as a pastor leader, you're going to have to get creative because you're not just leading a staff. Now you've got to train a staff. Right. You, know, you, you, you're talking about the music and training, you know, whatever they are and God love them. They, they, they're, they're passionate. They want to serve Jesus. They want to do a great job. Um, and so you're not only having a staff, now you're training a staff, discipling them, shaping them so they can be more effective for you down the road. So it is a different dynamic, dynamic, but uh, that we have to operate in. But 
but it, it, it's it's possible. I mean, both of us and pastoring have it, it may take time, but you train them, you mold them, you love them, you show them, disciple them, and lo and behold, you know, three, four, five, six years down the road, it, it's starting to go in the direction that it needs to. Right. Uh, but it, but it, it it can be difficult. And as our topic says today, one of the road bumps um, of that can be when conflict arises in the midst of those staff members. Right. And so let's move right into um into conflict in staff and this is this is one we didn't discuss but it's one that just in our just talking about it uh, I, I think it's it bears us discussing how do you think um the fact that often the staff you do have in a small church are unskilled or untrained i guess is a better way of saying it and and can be volunteers or if they are paid they were volunteers who are promoted how can that create that lack of training, how can that create conflict? And what are some ways we can avoid conflict in those situations? Uh, I know for me is is when I was pulling to get people together and I was not clearly communicating what sort of the idea was that we're trying to accomplish, whatever it might be. Um, And they started assuming things. They right. were thinking like I was thinking. All of a sudden, they're going in this direction. Another person's going in another direction. So I, I, one one thing that can cause conflict as a leader and pastor, as a shepherd, you, you've got to clearly communicate your expectations, clearly communicate what you have in mind, what you're trying to accomplish according to scriptures. And, and, and so that, for me, was a big thing I learned early on is – Clearly communicate with these folks because if if they're not as discipled or as trained in some areas as you are, they're not going to know. It's not because they don't want to know. They just don't know uh, about a certain area of ministry. Um, and so I, I would say if you don't clearly communicate expectations of what you're trying to do, you can believe, sure enough, conflict is going to start arising at some point in time. Right. right. And, and I also think uh, another thing is because you're dealing with volunteers, because you're dealing with people who may not have the background in seminary that you have, um, I've found that often um, what you – if you have ir- – if you have unrealistic expectations of what they should be able to do, yeah, then that can cause conflict. Because often, if I'm going to build something, I have to look at the tools and the materials that I have at hand to build it. I may want to build a, a you know, a cherry wood humidor with, you know, a, a red you know, glaze on it that looks just gorgeous. And I've got a bunch of pine behind the house and I don't have the, the tools I need. I'm No matter how much I want, I'm not going to build that thing. Right. And, and so we have to be realistic about our expectations because when we're, when we're moving a church forward, there's always what materials has God given me in this church and, and building our expectations based on this is where we are and this is where I can get these people. But realizing some people, no matter how much we want them to be, are not going to be exactly what we want. And just learning to deal with that, that can cause conflict if we don't if we don't do that. And, and I think the, the thing both of us have hit on, if, if our listeners start catching on, it, it starts with you, Pastor. 
Right. Uh, it's, it's clearly communicating and have, having biblical, realistic expectations, knowing what you what you have and what God can do with those people. Because we know what the scriptures say about, right. about using people that we would assume are not gifted. Well, the Holy Spirit loves to use those type of people to do great and mighty things. And so, and, and, and that's why I was bringing that up for pastors and shepherds is it does start with you. Um, and, and, and you're talking about working with realistic expectations and right. sort of the underlining thing I think about there just for a moment is just those that patience, have patience, clearly communicate, work with what you have, be patient. Um, and, and, cause if you don't, as you just said, con- conflict's going to start, um, or, you know, uh, rising up. Cause like you said, unrealistic expectations, what it leads to a lot of times where, and I knew for me when I was younger and I still struggle with this, I get a little ahead of myself than what right. the people are ready for. And then all of a sudden the staff's not understanding they're disagreeing or they're uncomfortable or they come to you and say people have been saying you know you know whatever it may be and so um so yeah i, I would agree wholeheartedly what you said about the expectations to watch out for that clearly communicate uh with right. them about what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go and be patient with them I really so so what are some of the major obstacles of dealing with a staff, especially when your staff is probably considering that we're small churches, average church sizes is going to be a hundred or less, even though we've got churches that we're we're targeting that are more than that, but the average church size is going to be a hundred or less. What are some of the roadblocks that you have to deal with when you're dealing with what is probably mostly a volunteer um, staff? What are some of the major obstacles? And then and I know this just seems, you know, obvious, obvious to us all. But a lot of times it was just finding somebody, just people right. who were willing to work and sacrifice. Again, your context is you've got people working 40 to 60 hours a week at a job, you know, and you don't want to put more on them than they're already doing with family and sports, jobs, school. And then now I'm asking you to give up a couple more hours a week. Um, that, right. that was a big obstacle was just find people. It's not that people didn't love the church. They didn't. It's not that they didn't love me. Um, but a big obstacles is the busyness of people's lives. It, it can be difficult. It's a roadblock in finding finding staff, and, and especially you know when you're looking for certain ones in certain areas of ministry, and you try to target them and go after them, and you realize they're just they're just too busy. Um, right. that, that was always a big obstacle for me um, in looking for staff. Right, and, and also, I think when you're dealing with a volunteer staff. Um, you should always treat all staff with respect and treat them the way that you want to be treated. But when you're dealing, especially with a volunteer staff, there's a there's an extra level of of patience that you have to have when you're dealing with volunteers. You can't, yeah. you know, if I'm if I'm paying you money to do a job, I can walk into a room and say, "We're paying you to do this job. You're not doing it." And you do it in a nice Christ-like way, but you're not doing it. Here are the expectations. Right. Um, you need to you need to live up to these expectations. But when you're dealing with a volunteer, um, you've got to communicate that information. But the way you communicate it has to be very much shrouded in this knowledge that you know there's nothing but the goodness of their heart that's keeping them here, and their their call to Christ and their love for the church. 
Right. And so there's a there's an extra level of difficulty in dealing with a volunteer staff because of that. And I think that sort of moves into another issue that I think we have, especially when you're dealing with volunteer staff, is a lot of times your volunteer staff isn't just someone in the church. A lot of times your volunteer staff is not just someone who's heavily invested in the church. And this is one that most small church, especially by vocational pastors, are going to understand. A lot of times that staff is married or is the child of a deacon or a matriarch or uh, <laughs> and so right. I mean you're dealing with family issues when you deal with staff issues and, and I think that is that, that adds a little level of difficulty to it and so what are some ways that you can you can deal with those issues and and, and still move things in a positive direction you know, for me in the past in different areas, um, you, you use the word patience, and I, I think that that is that's that's the standard right there. You 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 just you have to have a God given, Holy Spirit saturated type of patience. <clears throat> Excuse me, and and along with that, you is is to honestly is to do two things. Number one is respect that. <clears throat> That family, um, everywhere you went in the community or in the church, someone's last name was plastered somewhere um, for what they have done. Um, and, and what I chose to do, um, instead of just like a bull in a china shop, hit it, hit it head on, um, I chose to learn, I'm being honest, to learn about the history of the church and what they did and respect it in sermons. I remember specifically preaching through Philippians and he's talking about pressing on to the goal. And I told him, we don't, we don't live in the past, but we don't forget the past. We honor it as we press forward as a church. And, and so just little things like that show respect and honor to the past, to those families learn and not only show respect them. Secondly, learn to love those people. And yeah. so, and the reason I'm saying that is you're creating a lot of equity. You're building a, a, a foundation where once they start volunteering and you have to, let's use the word, challenge them, right. <laughs> um, exhort them, um, they're, they're, they can take it a whole lot better because they know that you love them, you respect them, you've been there for them. And that's where the patience comes in. But honestly, you're going to have to put your agenda sometimes, and it's a good agenda, but you're right. going to have to put it on pause, build some equity. And as you build that equity, you'll see not only the staff changing, but the church change. So I, I would encourage that if you're in a, a church that that has strong families and strong you know, deacons who are very uh, uh, um, prominent, outspoken, um, you'll be surprised. A little bit of respect, patience, and love will take you. Um, then all of a sudden you can sit down and tell brother so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, or that staff member, um, okay, we're going to have to change doing this because X, Y, Z, the Bible says. And I think, I think you'd be surprised how, how far that really can take you in the, in the, if, if a when the conflict does arise. Right. And, and I think, you know, this past week, if you read our blog, which I, I do want to point people to smallchurchshepherds.com for the blog, um, this past week, Lee Thaler actually put an article on how do you, how do you work through your first year in the pastorate? And one of the things that he says is that 
You know, we need to be slow. We need to make a list of the things we see, the changes we see, the things that need to be better in our church. But we need to to write that list down, and then we need to um, take some time to teach that in the, in the pulpit. We need to take some time to love the people, not go in there guns a-blazing, this is wrong, um, this is how it should be. Um, and, and, and just trying to, to mow down the old way and, and bring in the new way. But understand that, for one thing, good or bad, the church is is there because often of the way they've done things, and people appreciate that. If they didn't appreciate it, they would have gone somewhere else. So we have right. to be careful, and that includes staff. You know, we may be frustrated with a staff member, but that church, that that staff member's walked with that church through their life. That staff member has probably gone through some battles. And that's why I think building a relationship, even with a difficult staff member, could give you some perspective as to why that staff member is is where they're at. Um, I know I've had friends who've gone into churches and, and bigger churches that had staff and and they've they've had fr- other friends of mine on staff and they've called me and said, you know, why is this going on? Why is this person like they are? And, and just trying to help them see there's a history that got them there. This person wow. is not struggling because they woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. Um, they're struggling for a reason, and I think walking through that with that person, that reason, will help give you some perspective, but may also help you win an ally where you can say, okay, I understand we fought these battles, but you need to understand I'm going to fight these battles with you now. You're not going to have to do it alone. And, and I think one way you can help with conflict, because I, I've seen this in my own churches in the past, is a lot of times people are slow to change because they've been burned by the church. Assuring your staff that you're behind them and that if something you ask them to do, if if there's heat, you're going to take the heat and not throw them under the bus. That builds a lot of equity with that staff member. It also builds some equity with the church because that staff member who may be related to half the church is going to lunch and everybody's complaining. And that person is saying, yeah, but he stood behind me and I support him. And you don't know how much those those, you know, Sunday lunch around mama's conversations really do affect your ministry. And and I think it's important. Yeah, I, I, you know, talking about supporting your staff, you know, I, I remember someone telling me years ago is never, never take any of the credit. Always shower them with praise publicly and you always take the fault, you know, right. you know, and yeah. and that's helped me a lot because at the end of the day, the staff see that the, these men and women, they see that and they they really get entrenched and they love you. I mean, they'll fight for you. You're talking about those dinners and luncheons. They'll do that because they know. They'll, even if, if, if you're the one that planned and had the idea and got them to do it, but you you shower them with praise for their hard work. And then right. if something goes wrong, you step in and go, listen, I, I, I should have taken care of that. You know, that's on me, you know, and, and I've seen that happen. And, and you'll be surprised on your staff. But, of course, the congregation's respect. And, right. and as you were as you were talking, the thing comes to mind is the the, the, the couple podcasts ago that we did on longevity. I mean, right. it's just, you'll be surprised. We keep talking about respect and uh, relationships. And like you're saying, every staff member has a story. 
no one just showed up how they are right now. They're shaped and molded through their lives to where they're at. So all this, but all that starts taking place with longevity, staying somewhere, and that staff becomes stronger. That church becomes stronger because because you stay there with patience, love, and respect. So um, the next question I wanted to talk about is, what are some of the warning signs? that we can see as pastors that tell us, okay, there's conflict just over the next hill. I need to be ready for that conflict so that we can, we don't get blasted by conflict. Cause I think we've all probably been there where we've, we've come into a city, we've come into a church one day and, and there's a deacon and there's a staff member and the deacons call you into a room and it's like, you get blasted because of this issue and you didn't even know the issue was there. What are some warning signs that we can begin to see that issues are arising so that we can sort of head that off and try to deal with that in a biblical manner. So those sort of things don't happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if and every context is different, right. if you have regular staff meetings, <clears throat> you as a leader, you need to create the framework in which the staff operates in. And as right. you do that, what I mean is they know they start learning boundaries like, hey, we're not going to use the baptistry for a pool party for a youth party. <clears throat> you know, yeah. um, you, you create these boundaries. And so they know how to operate in them. And what I mean by the regular staff meeting, if you get with them regularly, I don't if it's Wednesday nights after church or whenever it is, but you get to know them, you know what they're planning, you know what they want to do. You can cut off a lot of issues before they get out of your office or your study. Right. You can, you can really do that. But far as the conflict in staff itself, um, <clears throat> the warning signs a lot of times I always seen were that they popped up in the middle of staff meetings, which right. was good um, because they just basically is, is people, their, their attitude towards somebody, um, snarkiness, um, or if you're eating lunch with somebody and they start speaking about them negatively um sort of in a gossipy way not a, really they're not really concerned about them they're just being negative um that should be some warning signs that why is this person feeling this way why why are they using this type of language so again knowing your staff having a relationship with them um where they and you can start picking up on some stuff right. and ultimately i mean if they're in the middle of your office you know throwing fists at each other that's usually a pretty good sign too that something yeah usually <laughs> usually yeah um, any, any kind of fisticuffs is usually a good sign that there's some kind of conflict that you may want to get to the bottom of and, and i think also um just and i don't how to know how to say this other than this but learning to take the temperature of your staff as opposed to their coolness or their hotness and learning their um, mannerisms. And, you know, as you deal with staff, now I'm not saying everybody is. I've had some staff members in the past. You couldn't tell if they were hot or cold because they were so, they kept everything so bottled in. But yeah. most people, you can tell where they're at. And, and, and the best way to deal with conflict, I think, is sitting down and, and, and hitting it head on, um, yeah. talking about it. Um, I'm 
I'm naturally, and, and, and I think a lot of guys are like me, I'm naturally an avoider of conflict. I don't like conflict. You know, James, my man, is like a UFC fighter when it comes to conflict. He's just <laughs> not, like, you'll be having a conflict and James comes in like a ninja to get in the middle of it, but I'm not like that. I avoid it. <laughs> And, um, and so, you know, I don't like conflict. And so I think that's a, that's a, it's a negative. It's a positive in that I don't try to create undue conflict, although I've been right. that before, but it's a, <laughs> but it's a positive in that, uh, or, or I mean, it's a negative in that, um, I don't always deal with things when I should have, because, I sort of go, well, maybe it, maybe it'll blow over. And, and let me just say this guys, it almost never blows over. Um, yeah. I know some guys say, just let it go. It'll blow over. Almost never blows over yeah. at, at best. What's going to happen is it's going to, it's going to be one of those, uh, spirits of, of just, you know, just a spirit of, um, this harmony that's going to root itself in their hearts. And then the next time a, con- a little conflict happens, that thing's going to spring up and it's going to explode. And so What's you yeah. ignore conflict. Yeah. It's a cancer. It'll grow. Um, it's, it's sort of that idea you got to cut on your hand and you don't address it. And before long, you're losing a limb. Um, right. And that it can happen. I've seen it happen. And I, you know, the reason. I don't mind conflict. Um, I don't enjoy it, but I've come to the point now, not only as a pastor, but also the job I'm working right now. Um, when you and it's a, I like that language, that phrase. You get the temperature of the room, temperature of the people. You start learning their habits. And if you see something's off, take them to lunch, have a conversation, say, hey, you know, how, how are you doing, man? What's going on? You doing good? And, and you might be surprised. They might just be having a bad day. Or they might tell you, you know what, I'm, I'm getting tired of this, that, and the other. Well, now you know, and you, you have an opportunity to challenge them, then tell them to speak up and let you know as a pastor. you got to know these things. Right. You can't address them. So there's a lot of opportunities you just said is is what I mean by heading, heading it off or cutting off or facing it. It's not meaning, hey, we're going to argue. It's just saying, hey, what is everything okay? What's what's going on? And, yeah. and I've had to do that at staff meetings. There were six of us sitting there, and you're just like, all right. Um, we're not leaving till we, in a God-centered, Christ-honoring way, take care of this issue, you know. Yeah. And so we were there for like three hours, but but it was just like, okay, if we're we're good. We can pray together at the foot of the cross and love each other and honor Christ. You know, we're good to go. So, and the only reason I'm I'm that way now um, is is just learning my lessons. You know, I was pastoring at twenty twenty one and. And I was hoping things were going away. You know, when a 60-year-old yeah. man is doing something as a 21-year-old pastor, you're just cowardly. And I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I was. I mean, I was just – I was. You're afraid of, of losing your job. You're afraid of being yelled at, the uncomfortableness of it all. But as you grow older, you get a little bit thicker skin. You get, you get wiser. I'm not saying that we're wise, but you get a little bit wiser. And you realize, hey, I'd rather have a little bit of discomfort right now then it's a fester for a year and the church yeah. split, you know, well, or something, something like that. And, and let's be honest, you, you do get to a point where you realize you're going to be okay for the most part. And you quit worrying about, I, I think early on, like you said, you hit it on the, the nail on the head. I'm going to lose my job. If I speak up, I'm going to lose my job. If I do this, um, if we trust God and we trust his sovereignty, there, there are times where we're just going to have to go to the mat for what's important. And if it means we lose our job, it means we lose our job. But we have to 
to stand up, especially when it comes to immorality. It comes to things that can really affect false teaching. I mean, we have to go to the mat with a staff member. And and, and whether that's a, and when we say staff, that could be be a, a children's minister. It could be a, a you know a music minister. That's you know whatever. There right. there all kinds of people that we have to deal with. So um, as we sort of close out, we're we're about twenty eight minutes in. What are some things we can do to prevent conflict from happening with staff? Um, just don't have staff. No, I'm just yeah. Um, yeah, just do it all yourself. Look, yeah. if you just do everything yourself, yeah. you'll at forty, but you'll be much happier. That's yeah, right. that's right. That's right. Oh no, um, I, I can say this: the last church um, I was serving at for coming out here to Grace Falls, um, when I left, I had an excellent staff, and and I hope they here listen to this someday. They were magnificent. I mean, right. I, I'm not I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. They they loved Christ and they loved me and I feel like I'm getting emotional right now. They were good. They were very good people. Um, they they followed me and my leadership and and all I simply did as I said earlier ways to prevent it was I try to clearly communicate what I wanted as a pastor, what I felt like the scripture were teaching us to be. Let's do it well. Let's do it with excellence. Let's honor Christ. Let's love his church. And I used to tell them we had a values. There were certain things about us that we want to be known for as a staff. And one of it was transparency. We need, if there's an issue, we need to talk about it because none of us, none of us are against each other. We're all in the same boat with the same desires. So we're not each other's enemies. So let's, and so let's talk about it. So just trying to, number one, I would say, create a standard of, of transparency, um, what you're trying to uh, uh, communicate as a leader, uh, uh, just create that standard, be clear in your communication. Um, you, you'll be surprised how how all of that will, will curtail or keep staff infection or staff uh, conflict um, uh, at bay for quite some time. You you can't always avoid it. We're sinners saved by grace and sin's there. Um, But you'll be surprised if you create that standard, clearly communicate, season everything with grace. You'll be surprised how far you'll get. Right. And and I think you, you need to set values. Yeah. You need to communicate clearly, like you said. And I also think um, just going back to some staff and being not not you want to be their friends, um, not buddies. Uh, you know, you want to be their friends. And I think that's important. I think it's important that you build those friendships so you're living life together and and you know each other. Um we all have personalities we get along with. We all have personalities to look past those things that would divide us, especially in a staff situation, and try to get down to those things that unite us and, and to build that relationship. And then I think it's incredibly important for us to just for ourselves to keep our egos in check because we can be, um, you know, as my favorite comedian, Brian Regan says, we can be me monsters. And it's all about me. And if we're not careful, I've seen this as a secondary staff member with the pastor. I've seen it in my own ministry. When we're trying to build our little K kingdom instead of his big K kingdom, what can happen is it becomes an ego thing and not a Christ thing. 
and it can cause division. And so I think handling conflict, I think our heading conflict off the pass, I think humility is a big part of that, um, you know, guiding, but humility. Um, anything else you want to share, James? Anything else you want to add? No, I, I just encourage all the pastors out there is, is, as you said, love them and disciple them. Don't just use them as employees. Um, as you said, build friendships with them. They're they're part of your congregation. Um, so you you need to help them grow in Christ and holiness as they help serve you and help serve the church on staff. And so I, I would just encourage you to do that. Look at the big picture. You know, stay in your seat, stay there a long time, and and you'll 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 love the results you get from from Christ and His Word working in your staff um, and in the people of your congregation. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up today. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Small Church Shepherds. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for joining us today. Uh, We need some favors from you, if you wouldn't mind. One of those is to, to go on Twitter. And look us up. Our handle's at Shepherd Small. Look us up, uh, uh, follow us, and share uh, our podcasts, our articles every week. Also, you can find us on Facebook um, at Small Church Shepherds. Just look that up, like us, put some reviews on there, comments. We would love that. Along with that, we need you to get, uh, if you have any information, questions, concerns, anything like that, We'd love for you to uh, go to our email at smallchurchshepherds at google.com and then go to iTunes. Look us up at Small Church Shepherds. Uh, What we need you to do is not only to download download, uh, our podcast, but also to write a review. And it has to be a five-star review. We demand a five-star review. Uh, But, no, we need you guys to do that for us and just spread the word of what we're trying to do as we encourage and equip and uh, all these small church shepherds. Uh, You're a great part of that ministry. We thank you guys. God bless. Bless and have a great day.